business can be better. This is the podcast that helps businesses become even better businesses. I'm one of the co-hosts, Lane Anderson. I own a marketing company called London Road Media. And I'm Kelly Ray Tamaki, founder and owner of TMH Business Coaching and Consulting. We're here for episode 17 to uh, Business Can Be Better, the podcast, episode 17. Does that seem like a lot? Yes. Does it? Yes, 17. That's almost half a year. That's true. That's true. Episode 17, we're going to talk about how to have challenging conversations. You texted me yesterday to say, to suggest this as a topic. So why, why did this come up? Well, I think in almost every coaching session I have with my clients, I have to have a challenging conversation. <laughs> um, and... I've gotten so used to them because I've been doing it, uh, well, I've been in leadership for almost 20 years and I've been studying, running, coaching businesses for 18 years. So whenever you work with people, you have to have conversations. And as a leader, you have to have sometimes challenging conversations. So in essence, I guess for my clients, I'm somewhat of a leader to them. I have to tell them things like you're not listening. Right. You have to listen. So so did something like leader. that come up that made you So oh, all the time, like every day. Oh, okay. And even one of my favorite uh cup couples, um, I have quite a few clients who are married and uh one of my favorite couples was in today and we're we're talking about uh some a key person mm-hmm. in their business who is very much can not do versus can do, you know, Um, very excuse sort of oriented rather than get it done. Yeah, she's not. That is that conversation that I had with them was very similar to almost every other conversation I have with my clients where they say, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get this person to be more positive. I don't know. And I say, talk to them. And they kind of look at me like, yeah, just talk to them. Yeah. And so for me, it's hard for me to remember that challenging conversations are the norm for me. I step right into a conversation, even if I feel nervous or scared, because I want to have the conversation. I want to get through to the other side. So, and I think you and I have a good friendship that way too, yeah. with the feedback on the communicate, the over communicating. You remember that? I was yeah. thinking about that. But like with my husband, with my friends, uh, Mandy, like if we have something challenging that most people i think a lot of canadians especially were so polite right we're always like sorry never mind um being scared to hurt somebody's feelings or being scared to start a fight like i'm desensitized to that stuff now because i'm not confrontational at all i hate confrontation and not not desensitized like it doesn't bother you anymore but just that you're used to navigating it to it yeah Yeah. so so i have challenging conversations all the time and actually i i love i guess breakdowns or challenging conversations with in my marriage because I know that every single time we have one of those, there's a breakthrough on the mm-hmm. other side and it's awesome and we're closer yeah. together. Come out a step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I jumped a gun. We haven't talked about just what's new, what's happening in your life. Well, I told you I took a Benadryl, so you're going to have to lead this one. <laughs> I can't this leave This sweater. I don't know if anyone's watching, but this sweater, this beautiful sweater. It's fuzzy. It's so itchy. It's just been driving me crazy all day. So I decided to take a Benadryl before I got here. And then 
I started talking to Lane, and I'm like, I don't feel quite as smart as usual, so <laughs> Benadryl might be playing a role here. And I'm still carrying a little bit of my cough from last week, so I, I need you to carry it. I'm gonna cough be, that way. I will be. I'll be okay. into my sweater and around the corner. But so what is the question? What's new? <laughs> what's new is the question. I, I wrote this down. Let me just You wrote it. down what's new? Mm-hmm. Saying no to say yes to myself. Oh, it feels so selfish. It feels so selfish to say no when somebody asks me to do something, but I really have to get used to it. Yeah. Because being sick or like fainting from exhaustion or like losing my voice or falling down the stairs and breaking my arm, all those things, all those reminders that I'm doing too much and trying to go too fast and never taking breaks. I don't want those things to happen to me anymore. So when somebody asks, you know, can we just stay half an hour longer and talk about this other problem that we have? Right. I'm sorry. I have to say no. Yeah. I need to get a few minute break between between my now and my next meeting. You That's know. That's good. Or it's especially hard to say no to my husband because he has these great big puppy dog eyes, and even if I come <laughs> home after like 12 hours of work, he's sitting on the couch. I'm hungry, babe, and I'm like, oh. Did you know there's like a hundred meals in the freezer <laughs> that I made you? But I don't feel like those. Okay, well, would you like me to make you something? Yeah, grilled cheese and soup. So then I'm like making a grilled cheese and soup and all I want to do is be in my pajamas or get in the bath. So <laughs> I am going to start saying no to you too, Tim, if you're watching. But I've started saying no to more things. Like, That's good. Like I volunteer and donate a lot. I really do believe in all, all of the causes that I'm a part of. But if I said yes to everything that yeah. I was asked to do... I wouldn't have time to eat. Well, and you won't be productive at, or very effective at no, any of them. It'd be too all, spread, yeah. spread too thin. Yeah. Yeah. So, that I'm uh, trying to get better at saying no yeah. to say yes to myself. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's good. So sorry if anyone's watching and I said no to you, but <laughs> it's I don't for want to break your my benefit. Arm. So you can serve them better yeah. at another time. Yes. Good. What's new with you? Um, my sickness. That I'm trying to get over. Are your glasses still taped together? They're not taped, but they do have a little Super bit of crazy glue? glue. A little bit of crazy oh, glue lame. here. I know. Gotta Maybe I need to raise. say no to something so I can go make an appointment at the eye doctor mm-hmm. and get new glasses ordered. Yes. I know. I should. We'll, we'll do that at some point. Before this year is out, because all the benefits run out at the end of December. So I need to make use of them. So I'm going to be booking massages and chiropractor appointments. <laughs> just no work in December. As we're just going to... Just do all of that stuff You're in the next adjusted. four weeks. You're Just crack me again. Yeah, it's fine. I'll come back tomorrow. Oh, lame. Yeah, so that's what's new. I'm trying to get over the sickness. I'm doing a keynote in two days on Thursday, and I'm still, as you can tell, having to turn and cough, and I just have this, like, thing in my throat I can't get rid of. So I need like to get rid of that. Infection. I need to get rid of that by Thursday, or else I will be coughing into a microphone in a room full of people. So I went to the doctor today, got some stuff. We're going to try and get rid of it, but... <laughs> it's gonna be fun yeah that's what's new i'm trying to get over a sickness but other than that not a lot and working on my own online courses which has been fun oh yeah i saw that yeah we have to do my financial mastery and my leadership we have to course. do more of yours too yes. lots of courses lots yes. of teaching online courses okay awesome let's start let's get into it yeah so um topic is challenging conversations mm-hmm. okay so first of all the sooner you do it the better because yeah. If, like, for example, let's use that conversation we had about um, when I was, like, texting and emailing and, you know, over-communicating, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably, like, a week or so of that. And then... Yeah, like, it wasn't far You kind of let me know. You're like, hey, dude, 
you send me a lot of emails and a lot of text messages and like that's not really the package that you have you right. know like that's more like this package do you want this package and i'm like no that's too <laughs> much money so um i was like thanks for telling me i don't want to take advantage of our friendship and we figured out a way where i could like keep my my questions on a list and then ask mm-hmm. you once a week or whatever mm-hmm. and it's been great right yeah and no nobody's feelings were hurt i was incredibly impressed with your straightforwardness i love friends that give me authentic feedback because i want to be a good friend mm-hmm. um but you didn't wait on that like you didn't wait three four five six months and then right. finally be like Blow oh i can't it. stand this you, you know like faster don't want to work with this yeah. person anymore you know um, or like, I always tell the story about when I threw my husband's shoes down the stairs. Okay. <laughs> tell the story. Oh, it's I don't terrible. Know it. Um, and it was, we were doing this landmark course, this personal development course too. And it was all about like, it's not really, there's never anything really wrong with the other person. It's always something in you. Right. Okay. And so I think I wrote a blog about this a long time ago, actually called, it's not about the shoes, but every time I go into the porch, like Tim is like the Tasmanian devil. He takes off his over his coveralls, his work hat, his whatever, his shoes, <laughs> his boots. Like I swear he like sprinkles them about yeah. so that there's something on every anyway. So one day after like usually I just put them all away. Every time I go in, I'm like, Well, okay. if I want a clean porch, I'll put the shoes away. But this one day I took them and I threw them down the stairs. All the shoes, all the way down the <laughs> stairs. Bang, 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 bang. You could hear them all hitting the walls and he can't What's wrong? And then I just started crying. And I was just like, I feel like you don't respect me because you don't put your shoes away. And he's like, what? What what do shoes have to do with respecting (laughs) you? He's like, you're crazy. So anyways, um, if earlier, like maybe five years earlier, I had said, I feel like it's disrespectful when you leave your shoes out. Mm -hmm. He would have said, that's not what I mean when I leave my shoes out. I'm just lazy and I'm going to wear them again. So I'm going to leave them there. Right. So I make up all these stories when I wait to have a conversation, right? right? And I think that's very human, and I think that happens for all of us. Oh, so much. So So if you have something, go talk about it. Don't just let the stories fester because it's not good. because you'll make up reasons for it. I saw someone posted something on social media today that's like, how come when when someone sends me an email and I don't respond, it's because I'm busy, but if I send them an email and they don't respond, it's because they hate me. Right? That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in your head, you're like, it's perfectly fine that I don't respond. I'm busy. Give me yeah. three days. But when you send one and you don't get a response, you're like, it must be because they don't like me or something. Sometimes. We make up these stories. The other thing, too, is if we're going to say um, just do it, like have the talk fast, we have to put a caveat on that. Okay. Don't do it if you're angry. Not reactive. No. Yeah. Like if you're like, oh, I'm so mad. I got to go over there and tell them right now. Maybe just take a couple breaths or like count backwards from 100 or have a nap first because you never really want to go into a conversation angry upset hurt yeah. resentful like you have to chill before you go into that conversation yeah and you gotta have a goal for the conversation okay i know so that set, probably sounds nerdy outcome. but yeah you have to be like lane i'd like to have a conversation with you and my goal is that we develop a new way of doing the podcast so that it gets put up every right. week that's yeah. the goal yeah so then together we talk and we decide that Laura's going to do it. Yeah. And now the conversation's over. Problem solved. Problem solved. Still friends, you know? <laughs> right. But then sometimes you get into these conversations and I, like, Tim and I, I, I think I've read every single book on marriage and we go to counseling together. He comes occasionally. It's usually just me. But um, 
because we don't want to get divorced and we don't want to turn into like that old bickering couple, right? Right. So yeah, don't have the conversation when you're upset. Okay. Like, take a deep breath or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't had to have very many of the difficult conversations in business, but just because um, I'm still new enough to it and I haven't read the books about it. I think this plays into our character personas we've created for ourselves where you've read probably all the books you have a stack of articles to reference in our podcast and i'm doing this very uh just intuition based on how i go into these conversations and it's not based on some kind of hr best practices or well, any let's of talk that about this how do you go into these conversations so the only one that comes to mind like as soon as you suggested the topic was the one hire that i did too quickly and then had to let them go because it just wasn't the right fit for us. And that was like one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have in business with someone I'd just mm, hired. It's the worst. I gave them the month. I just knew that like there were things that were just not, just weren't fitting with the how we were doing stuff and that I knew I could find someone better and it was just not um, worth anyone's time, his or ours, to keep investing into this and going down this path. So having that conversation was was the worst um so how i did it was kind of coming up with part of a script you're like okay how am i going to say it what are the things you say so that you're not just making up on the fly and you actually have some phrases to go in with so you can say it with some forethought and say it nicely not hurt anyone's feelings um and then basically i waited until the last possible moment of when i had to say it because i'm like well i need to tell them by the end of this day but those definitely waited until the last possible minute because it's like I don't want to do this it's the worst you know I think we could have a little debate around this okay um, I learned a way to terminate people years ago that I have always stuck by um, although it seems very cold mm-hmm. and very hard to do um, I truly believe that it's what's best for the person and the company so I always recommend that even if this person has a disciplinary file a mile thick, um, that you release someone with no cause Mm -hmm. and that you give them severance. Give them pay in lieu of time, Mm -hmm. like in lieu of notice, and give them severance. And make it very, very, very brief. Give them the piece of paper that says, today is your last day with our company. You're being released without cause. We are giving you... Uh, pay in time uh, in lieu of notice as well as a generous severance package we wish you all the best in your future endeavors and then let's stand up let's get the keys let's get your stuff and take care and they leave because in the other case (coughs) in almost every case if you don't keep it neat and clean and tied up like that they start to say why am i getting fired and you have to again tell them all the things that are they've been doing wrong Sometimes they'll beg for their job. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll swear and yell at you and throw things at you. Like, I find that it just preserves the dignity for the person being fired. And Mm -hmm. you just have to, like, short and painful get it over with. To me, that's different than all these other challenging conversations. The termination conversation, that is all on its own. That's in a box, on a shelf, in a different closet, in a different room. Okay. But you're right for bringing that up because that is the worst conversation ever of any business owner I know. Having to fire someone is just, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. Um, so on the opposite of firing people, the way to keep people around, we often have, we often have to have coaching conversations to make people better so we don't mm-hmm. have to fire them. Yeah. So have you had any of those that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, there's only a few moments where things have 
you know, got like maybe productivity was not what it should be or all of a sudden something just changed in attitude or energy or something. And, and these are all extremely minor variations from what it should be, but like it's never been in a case where it's like, man, something better change or I'm going to have to let them go. But definitely just where it's like, man, I think something's a bit off and we need to have a conversation. One of the tools that I have that I am really grateful for having done is whenever we hire someone, we have a, um, I buy this test and it's based off of Meyer-Briggs personality test mm-hmm. and I get to know these people, but it's a workplace version of the Meyer-Briggs test that we pay for. for so it's like a paid thing that you get. Um, and every employee takes it when they're hired and I get to know who they are and After how they think hired? as soon as they're hired as oh, part of onboarding. Before. No, I wouldn't. Oh, interesting. And I've seen a lot of that where they say like, don't do it before because it's going to affect who you decide to hire and you don't want to hire for, you know, based on, well, we should have someone like this personality or something. Cause it's, it should, you can work with any type of personality. It's just knowing how to work with them. Mm-hmm. So we have those and I can reach into them and find out what motivates people, how do they best respond to feedback. Um, I can find out pretty clearly like what's lacking and it might be, oh, I'm not providing enough structure or maybe I'm providing too much. Like it depends on who it is. It could be one direction or the other too far. So using that has been really helpful. I can go back and review those. They have them for themselves and they can also see everyone else's and we all know each other's tests. Are you saying that you review these instead of have a conversation no, with the person? No, to prepare for that. So oh, I know how what to, to talk about. Because okay. rather than coming in and being like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? I can look at these and I can get a pretty good idea of, I know what's happening. It's like, well, I forgot that something that's really important to them is having a lot of flexibility over what projects they work on. I know that because yeah. it's in there. And now I'm just like, oh, I need to have that conversation with them and say, hey, I keep forgetting that like this is really important to you and I feel like maybe I've not been providing that. Do we need to reassess that? And they're like, yeah, actually it would be nice if I had more of that. Okay, well, let's figure out how to get that done. So like you said, it's not like going to them and saying, all right, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you that's causing this to happen? It's doing a lot of homework beforehand Mm. so that I can come in knowing it's probably something in what I'm providing them that's not working. Oh my gosh, you just said the most amazing thing. Okay, so as a leader, every single time, as a leader, you have to find something to take responsibility for Mm -hmm. if you're coaching a staff member. If your staff member is not performing to the level you need them to perform to, you can be doing something better. Yeah. And, you know, it's a clear job description, clear KPIs, um, giving them feedback every month on their KPIs, um, role modeling better. Mm-hmm. Maybe you hired the wrong person, but in any case, you if someone's not doing a great job, you can help them do it better. Right. And I love starting those kind of conversations with the word sorry. I always tell my clients, start with sorry. Because if you're my employee and I sit you down in the office, first of all, come in the office and close the door. That's never a good start, you know? Yeah. So I really like to start with, I'm sorry for waiting two weeks to talk to you about this. Mm. You know, I should have talked to you sooner. And I just want to talk to you about, you know, the way that you greet the clients. I'd really prefer for you to be more smiley and bubbly and energetic and really get up from your desk and, and get to the door and greet them really quickly. And then they're like, oh, okay. As opposed to if you sit somebody down and you're like, listen, the way that you do this isn't working. And here's the reasons why I hate it. And you better do it better or you're going to get written up next time. Yeah. 
that employee's like, screw you. Yeah. And they're like, they don't see you taking any accountability. They don't see you taking any responsibility and their defensive walls are up, right? Yeah. So first way, start with sorry, defensive walls come down. And really just owning as a leader, your business is a reflection of your leadership. So obviously you can do something better. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, and we've talked a bit about conversations with employees, but that happens with conversations with clients. It can happen yes. with, I mean, I know gym owners who need to have conversations with their members who are yes. making an uncomfortable environment in their business. I mean, there's lots of conversations that happen among different people. And I, <coughs> I think the other example I'd think of is our first uh, local client when we established Leonard Media and we started offering this beyond the global brands that we service, but like started doing with local businesses. It was a short-lived contract and when it was cut off, there was 95 reasons I could think of of why that happened. That was all their faults, right? Where it's like, what? Like, yeah, I, I know why you want to cut this off because you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. And that is, I think, your first knee-jerk reaction. But I had to like immediately step back and identify the five things that I knew I did wrong. So it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if 95% is them, like take accountability for your 5%. Say like, yeah, these are the things that I did wrong in this, even if it is that um, unfairly balanced. And I'm sure, I'm certain it wasn't even close to that, but your first um, instinct is definitely to point at them and say, these are the things you're doing wrong. But uh, it doesn't matter if even if it's so unbalanced that it's 95.5, look at your 5% because that's all that you can really control. What's What is the things that I've done wrong and come in being very cognizant of that piece. And let's talk about progressive discipline because I think a lot of business owners, some of my very favorite clients, they're just too sweet to ever say to a, uh, an employee, I'm going to have to write you up mm -hmm. or I'm going to have to put this in your file. And I think that that is a real missed opportunity because my style of leadership and the style that I recommend in almost every industry is always be kind, supportive, loving, caring, like, like you are with your team. They right. know you have their back. They yeah. know they're appreciated, right? So you only ever have to be one lane, be yourself, be kind, be supportive. But when you sit down with Sarah, you don't have a real Sarah, do no. you? Perfect. <laughs> and you, you have a tool like her job description or yeah. a procedure, um, and you can sit down and you can be the same kind human that you always are mm -hmm. with her. And you can just say, hey, do you remember this procedure that we talked about? Can you talk to me about how you think it's going with this? Yeah. And she's probably going to tell you, oh, shoot, I forgot about this procedure because right. most people just put them in the manual on the shelf, right? Or she might say, well, I haven't, I have a challenge with this part. I don't know how to do it. Right. And then you can teach her. Um, and in some cases, actually a lot of cases, the person doing the job can improve this procedure and actually right. improve like client satisfaction, yeah. lead conversion, all sorts of things. They have great ideas. You, yeah. you have to ask questions when you're trying to coach your staff. Yeah. Being a leader is not about knowing all the answers and having a, a successful conversation to me looks like a lot more listening than talking. Right. Because if you ask the right questions, like what's in the way for you or how can we make this better or what's going on for yeah. you, you can find out so many things and then you can just be there for them and improve things. And in the worst cases, when that kindness doesn't work, your next tool is keep being kind again, but now we're gonna do a write-up and we're gonna put it in your file and you're gonna right. sign this. And this acknowledges that if you continue this behavior, 
uh, disciplinary action up to and including termination may result. You know, you're going to get three letters for the same thing before you get fired. Like, you're getting every chance possible. Yeah. And make sure that it's clear during that conversation that you want to help them. Right. If you don't, just fire them. Right. Do not keep someone around. Them, yeah. yeah. If do not do not keep someone around if you're not willing to give a hundred percent as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, it, it, yeah. No. So what about the conversations that are not from a position of leader? Because I think even harder are the more even, right? Where it's not I, you know, like I lead them. It's more like peer to peer. So it's you to your clients, or you and I as being on a similar plane, or. Um, you know, those kind of conversations that are not you to employees where it's where you are naturally in a leader position. Is there a different approach there? Uh, I would like to think that I am the exact same person with whoever I'm talking to, but I understand what you mean, right? Because yeah. like thinking about somebody who works for me versus somebody I partner with on a joint venture, yeah, exactly. like partner I'm not one. the boss of you sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't think my style changes too much. I think the thing I would ask of you would be different, though. You know, like, I have no problem asking Laura to do things because I pay her to do things. Um, I definitely change with my husband, you know. Like, I might seem, you know, confident, strong, bossy businesswoman during the day. But, like, I don't want to be that at home. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I guess my personality changes a bit with different people. So I feel like there's a little bit more risk of them being like, well, who are you? Like, it's almost whoever takes the initiative to have that conversation kind of becomes the either the bigger person or the person who feels like it's more important to have oh, this conversation. Interesting. Like you're and there's almost this the like ego thing it. where, yeah, where someone what? is like, give me an example, taking the power position on it. So you took the power know. position on it when you talked to me about the communication. No, I'm saying, I think there could be a risk I of that. If not think that. done. <laughs> no, I think you did. <laughs> no. You manipulate me. If I, I could see it like among business partners, if you're very equally, you know, on equal plane, right? You're 50-50 partners on something. And you have to start a conversation about how, like a difficult one, not about difficult as far as all oh, the business needs some redirection. Of course, both of you need to solve that. But it's more difficult, like you and I are having this problem in our communication. It kind of, you become the person who's, whoever leads that conversation kind of becomes the one that is the leader of that conversation it oh, becomes a difficult I, thing where... i disagree i think you're the one with no armor okay you're just out there belly exposed you know because you're the one that made yourself vulnerable you, yeah you became vulnerable first so hopefully the other person will become vulnerable too and you can have a good conversation right. because that's what's needed you know being in a power position or like being defensive or guarded you're not going to get anywhere with that mm-hmm. but coming in you know like a kit like a kitten or a puppy like on their back with their belly exposed like that's vulnerability to me and it's that's the best right. metaphor for vulnerability i think ever especially with our rescue dog who obviously used to get treated really bad um showing showing your belly like like opening yourself up saying like this is me this is how i feel right and i want to talk so if you if you come in with that energy and attitude then that is the way it would come across is hey i'm experiencing this and here's something i'm gonna expose to you that you don't even realize about how i'm experiencing things then i could see that because i think of it comes in being like i i think we should talk it just becomes you're the one on 
the offense and yeah. now they're on the defense and that's where i worry about how uh, those conversations can go where if it's employee employer i think it's expected that the employer is the one on the offense and the employees on the defense right and that doesn't mean that that's a good thing but it's it's no one's going to be like well who are you to tell me i mean like well i don't I'm know your boss. some cultures i think that bosses have bent over backwards so much for employees to make them happy that some employees do think they wear the pants but the thing is i don't think we should ever be talking about hierarchy or wearing the pants or being in the power position like we're all human beings and i believe that we can have all human conversations regardless of where you're at okay i think you need to have a common outcome you know, if people are ever not getting along or the conversation seems like it's not moving along or progressing, it's because you haven't identified the outcome you want from the conversation, mm -hmm. you know, or you haven't um, maybe gotten vulnerable by apologizing for your part. Yeah. And I want to say something here, and I'm glad Brene Brown said it in her book. Um, what was her last one that she wrote on vulnerability? Sorry, but it's her most recent one. I think it's white with like blue and teal on it. But Brene Brown talks about vulnerability and leadership and I was really hoping, and she did end up, uh, that she would put in a caveat that says, do not use vulnerability or do not confuse vulnerability for manipulation. Right. We never want you, you know, those people who like those bosses who will be like oversharing, like just talking too much, like something about their marriage or whatever. Right. And I'm just having a really bad day and they're like crying and stuff. So then right. they, they think it's okay to abuse their employees like that day. Drawing empathy. Yeah, yeah, no, just vulnerability just means being authentic and just being open. And uh, it's scary as a leader because all of us think that as leaders or managers or directors or bosses, we have to know all the answers. Right. And if we don't, then we're going to look like a bad leader. But the truth is, when you pretend to know all the answers, you look like a bad leader. Oh, yeah. Especially with Google. <clears throat> Most definitely. <laughs> because you can't pretend to know everything you know, no. but we can find it out. Yeah. I think one of the biggest signs of strength is when someone's willing to admit where their limitations are. When they're yeah. like, no, I, I don't know the answer to that. And they're happy to say, they're happy to admit that and, and just be content in what they're strong in and not pretend to be okay at something they're not. Yeah. I think the words I don't know are highly underutilized and people are scared to say them. Yeah, it's very humbling. What else you got for us? Uh, just that how, you know, when I said earlier, uh, make sure that you have the conversation soon. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to make sure that we reiterated it's because of all the stories that we make up that fester, yeah. you know, like <clears throat> the longer you leave that conversation, the more crazy thoughts you might be having that are totally nothing to do with what the other person's thinking. So that's why, like, I advocate to have the have the conversation sooner. Um, also, it's really bad for your health to be stressed or resentful or have pent up emotions, you know, like just thinking about something that's really bothering you and like giving you anxiety or stress or keeping you up at night, that's not good for your health. So make sure that you do just have the conversation as soon as you can. Uh, we talked about identifying a, a common goal or outcome. Okay. And the thing I think there that's really important is sometimes two people disagree on something and you cannot, like, you want to have the party, I don't want to have the party. Like, the grand opening, I don't want to have the grand opening. So you think that you're both like, it's either this or that. Right. It's this dichotomy. But it's not. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's look over here at an outcome that we both an want. An alternative one, yeah. So maybe you're like, well, I want to get in front of a thousand people. And I'm like, well, I want to keep the costs under this amount. And then maybe you're like, oh, well, let's do it in the park. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like if you just kind of step back and try to see the forest, you have the same goal mm-hmm. and then you can figure it out. But again, if, if you go in there, you know, guns blazing on the defensive and you don't aren't vulnerable, you don't apologize for your part, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and saying sorry is hard, especially when it's a uh, an assertive person basically demanding that you say sorry. You know, like I can think back to a few times, especially with new relationships where you're just getting to know one another and and an assertive person will tell did tell me, I really didn't like how you texted that to me. Okay. And all of me wanted to be like, well, too bad. <laughs> yes. But I was like, you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Next time I'll call you. You know, but like that was hard. That was hard to get out. It's like ego, you know, you really have to swallow your ego and just be vulnerable. So what about the people that um, there's there are people who are not very good at having these conversations, but we have to have them with them. Right. We don't get to pick who like we can't only have conversations with people who are good at having these conversations. You just stay at your desk. Sometimes you have to have conversations with people who are not good at having them, who are usually because of insecurity and ego, not wanting to give up any of their position right like it's it's an affront to them and they're just going to stand their ground and like they're strong in their position they're not moving yeah i mean those conversations are tough and i know i think there's a lot of people that are kind of like it's not gonna go anywhere do i bother like do i even have this conversation because they're so hard to talk to and i think when we're talking about when it's an employee well the conversation needs to happen or they need to leave there's lots of these conversations are with someone who has, who's not an employee, who you have to work with. You don't have a choice, whether it's like if you're in a a business that has a regulatory environment and there's someone you need to work with, or you have a partner who's a bigger shareholder than you, or you do have a boss or someone you report to. I mean, there's, there's conversations that you can't remove the person from. Um, What do we do in those where it's like, man, this person is going to be so hard to talk to. They're going to take it they're going to take offense to it. They're not going to see my point of view. They're just going to dig their heels in. I mean, you, you have to change your expectations because you, you usually get what you expect from people. So before you go into that conversation, you have to think of all the times that that person was okay to talk to. You have Mm -hmm. to think of some way to empathize with that person. You have to try to get into their shoes and be like, they must be having a hard day. Yeah. And then try with that expectation and expect the best from them. Start with sorry for your part. Be kind and expect the best. And, and people so often, like almost 100% of the time, will live up or down to your expectations. And I think it's a really good idea, too, to have notes. Not like full-on paragraphs that you're going to read out from your paper, but points because you don't right. want to forget Keep the important track. points. Yep. Um, and the other thing I think that's important to remember is you don't, you don't have to tell them the answer. You should be asking them the answer because if they come up with the answer, they're so much more bought in, right? And they feel so much more validated and important. Um, I wanted to I wanted to say to listening, don't even think about having a conversation unless you're willing to really listen. And you know, I define really listening as listening with the possibility of having your mind changed. Yeah. So if I'm, if you and I are going to talk about some big issue, like let's say a political issue that we are on polar opposite sides of, yeah, there is no way I'm changing my mind. Right. There's no way you're changing your mind. This is something that is like entrenched in us. We will not budge. Do not have that conversation. Right. 
because what's the point? Mm-hmm. That's just a fight. Yeah. That's just a debate. Yeah. So things like that, just I a think. Yeah. And, and I hate when people say, "Oh, I'm just blunt." Or I'm just honest. It's like, no, you're just mean. Yeah, I just speak my you know? mind usually yeah. is how it's phrased. Which just is, think a little before yeah. you talk. Um, tell it how it is. I like that one. Yeah. It's usually a but listen, way of saying you're a jerk. But. That's my thing. Listen, <laughs> don't have a conversation with me unless you're going to listen. Right. And vice versa. I catch myself all the time because we're both in positions of we're the experts. We're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. But if I don't ask my clients and listen i could be teaching the completely wrong thing that day yeah you know and listening doesn't mean just with your ears it means watching and perceiving like look at their body language like yeah ask questions just listen all right um another good one that actually came from staff feedback is this drives people nuts so if you have a team of like 30 people And there's this one person that always does this one thing wrong. And everybody knows it's the one person. And everybody tattles on the one person. But you go to a staff meeting with all 30 people and the boss is like, hey, all of you guys, no one in particular, (laughs) stop sticking your gum to the bottom of the chair at the front desk. People are like, come on. We know this is not for us. It's only about the one person, right? So don't have, I want to say, weak pitiful group conversations right if it if it is only a one-on-one thing that said i did have a client fight me on this the other day and he was right um if people complain about something about another person and they don't know that you've addressed it right they might think that you just didn't listen to their feedback so he does think in some cases that it's okay to tell the whole group there have been some concerns here's what it is i agree let's all make sure we don't do this And then one last thing I wanted to say, and you did say, um, I did already tell you about the expectations thing, Mm -hmm. right? But over the years, we've gone to so many personal development seminars and read so many books. And my mom's a self-help junkie too. Like we all love it. Tim too, thank goodness. Um, But my dad, never really interested in that stuff. He's pretty old school, kind of gruff guy. Uh, Most of the time in my life especially when my dirt bike was on top of me and I was in a creek crying, he would say things like, what'd you learn? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a very tough sort yeah. of man. Tough love guy. Um, yeah. But this one course we took encouraged us to have conversations with people with different expectations. Okay. So I sat down with my dad one summer and I asked him about his parents and how they died and what it was like when he was a kid. And it was like, it almost makes me want to cry right now, but like it was... A side of my dad I didn't even know was in there and you can't assume like you just can't when you you said earlier I think you're like this isn't gonna go anywhere there's no point in having this conversation like I think if we just assume the best oftentimes we'll get better results Mm -hmm. yeah and as long as you've even if you go into that and you don't get better results if it is everything that you thought it would be when you're thinking in the worst of it at least you've done your part yeah like you've tr- really tried you went in with a positive um you you gave it the best shot rather than just coming in pessimistically and being like well i tried but no you genuinely went in and tried to give them the best shot of making it right i mean at least i don't know is that worth anything yeah <laughs> and at least i tried you know i think the last thing i want to say on this topic is that you and I or any two people in the world have experienced life so differently, mm-hmm. have seen things through such different lenses and have developed such different conscious and 
subconscious beliefs. Um, is it unconscious or subconscious? Subconscious. Is unconscious? Yeah. Well, that would be when you're unconscious. <laughs> when you're yeah. sleeping. Maybe unconscious beliefs. Anyways, so the fact that I can say a sentence, get it from my brain into your brain, and you mm-hmm. understand it at all ever is pretty magnificent because we have so many filters and lenses and yeah. different experiences, right? And what? Yeah. So all just the be context, patient. What that means, yeah. Just be patient in your conversations. You'll get it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a lot of this all comes down to basically a, a compassion where it's understanding that how they're experiencing it, how your words are going to come across when it hits their ears. It's um, trying to figure out what's, you know, if it's if you're seeing that there's something on their end that they're falling short on, trying to imagine and putting yourself in their position as why that might be happening. It might be because of something you're doing. It's just That's such compassion. a good point. And, and also that where... Um, where we do have very different perspectives and we're all very much, I believe, very much products of our environment. If there's someone that different than you and you're just like, why don't they get it? I think it, it's really good to be really aware of just thinking about how did they get to that? I mean, they're not irrational beings. Like they somehow came to that position or that feeling rationally. So what did they go through? What did they experience or what did they learn that got them there? Because they're not being irrational. They're not insane people. They got there thinking, yep, that's the right thing to do somehow. So if you just at least go in with that knowledge. I love that. I think that compassion is worth compassion a lot. Compassion is so. Yeah. There was this one exercise that we did um, in this workshop in Calgary where like y- you write out something you're really angry about. And it's like, I'm angry because Tim leaves his shoes in the porch (laughs) and then it's like but there was like four steps to it and then by the end of it you get to what's really true is that i feel a lack of respect for myself or something like that you know like really yeah and it's like our seven levels of why that we talked about a while ago you just (gasps) uncovered the real truth of it yeah and also to remember like this one story i have it's going to take too long to tell so i'll just tell a very short version like someone thinks you hate them right but you just had a tummy ache oh yeah yeah. you know what i mean like it can escalate so quickly yeah no you're always glaring at me it's like no actually i have indigestion yeah i wasn't even thinking about you Mm -hmm. that's the other thing you're not that important don't think that people are thinking about you or talking about you you know So my quick tip. Okay, Kelly Ray's quick tip. Pick one conversation, one person, one conversation you need to have, put it in your calendar, and have that conversation. Do you let them know ahead of time? Yeah. You add them to your calendar? Yeah, they know I, I it's would. Coming? I would. I feel like that's, you're just going to build dread. Well, then don't do that. I guess it depends on What situation on are you talking about? Are you talking about? I don't know. You're right. With an employee, I had a client do that, and it... It would like like we're gonna talk didn't next sleep Friday. all weekend, <laughs> yeah. and then the poor girl came in with like an essay. But yeah, no, I, I think if you're like, we need to have a talk tomorrow at seven. Almost any human being is gonna be like, well, just tell me now. Yeah, that yeah. anticipation so is not. Do you know what an example of that up. is? You sent the email about what topic this should be about, but the subject of your email was just difficult conversations. And I'm like, <laughs> I just saw that on my phone. I'm like, uh-oh, what does she want to talk about? And then I opened it and was like, good topic for the podcast? Uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. good, difficult conversations. <laughs> like, I'll tell you later. what does Kelly Ray want to talk about? We need it's to have funny. a difficult conversation. Sorry, I hijacked your quick tip. Okay, schedule it, make it happen, pick one and do it. That's it. Calendar. Yeah, the calendar got tied in.
Okay, my quick tip to tie in a marketing quick tip that I think relates to this. We can talk about negative reviews as a way of having conversations you don't want to have. And that's someone else has started that conversation. They've come to you. Behind the screen. And yeah, really absolutely. With some anonymity. Cowards. Which emblazons people, emboldens people. That's the right word. Um, emblazons. <laughs> that's not a real word. That up. <laughs> emboldens people. Um, mm. I think negative reviews are something that I think people need to stop being afraid of. Um, that's, I mean, you definitely don't want to get them, but I've, I've seen people who take any negative review and there's a lot of platforms that you can't do it, but if you want, it is a word. Okay. No, that's not, a, not the right one context, I wanted. So, but um, people are gonna delete reviews or hide them. There's lots of sites you can't do that with, obviously like Google and Facebook or whatever. But they'll try and remove them, or even just comments. Like if you have a social post or an ad running or something, especially with ads, you'll get lots of negative comments on things, and people want to just delete them and have remove them and making. I don't want to know about them. I don't think them. so. No. Okay. Um, I hurt my feelings. Yeah. But all of those, I think, are great opportunities to go and respond and show people what you're capable of, how, how you respond when something doesn't go the way you planned it to. Yeah, live your mission. Mm-hmm. Show people who you are with compassion, kindness, patience, everything. Because part of it is uh, speaking to the person that left that review or that comment, and you want to help that relationship. But mostly when it's online, it's for everyone else who's going to read it. That's who's getting the real benefit. They're seeing, wow, you responded to that really maturely. You took care of it. You made them understand that they were heard. Like that's all really important that you show people that you're capable of doing that. Um, I mean, you hear often about how like it's really easy to be great at something when things are good. The real test is when it sucks and yeah. who can like actually still be a good person. And that's what negative reviews can show because it's when all positive reviews, you go read all those and you're like, oh, great. You know, everyone enjoyed this service or product that they delivered. But you get a negative one and you can still maintain and that. everyone reads the negative one. Absolutely. So your response to that negative one is more important than all of the good so reviews. So much, yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm going to hijack your quick okay. tip now. <laughs> Don't try to defend yourself. Just apologize. Try to make it right. Offer a direct line to yourself, you know, to make mm-hmm. it right. Um, but as a general rule, not just for de- uh, responding to negative Google reviews, but in life, stop trying to make people wrong. It's like if you mm-hmm. just, we learned this in Landmark too. It's like a sickening disease, wrong making. Like okay. people are addicted to it. Watch for the next like 24 hours. Just listen to conversations that people will be like, the mayor is wrong about this. Or they'll be <laughs> right. like, the waitress took too long with my thing. Or like, you know, right. especially in difficult conversations, it's like, well, no, you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. And if you can just step back for a minute and realize how ridiculous that is. Right. Like you really want to make someone wrong? That's the point of the conversation? It's not the point of any conversation ever. Right. Or if it is, I don't want you to be my friend anyways. Yeah, that's definitely not what you want to do with negative reviews. No. Don't try and make them wrong. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Or, like, secretly do it. Like, act nice, but be like, but we did try everything and right. you never answered your no. phone, so screw you. The passive-aggressive yeah, don't is do not that. a good, good method either. All right, that was episode 17 of Business Can Be Better. How to have challenging conversations. It's challenging to stay within a reasonable time. I'm so itchy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm trying Um, not to scratch. 
So we'll be back next week, Tuesday, 7.15 p.m. Mountain Time with a new topic. Um, we need to do one, like, live. We need to do an in-person, I mean, like, people in the room. Oh. Or a call-in. That's a great have guests. idea. We'll do, some, we'll do something different coming up. Maybe for 20. We have three weeks till 20, episode 20. That's getting into December. We'll see. We want to do a different hmm. one. Or maybe, like, the first one that we do in January or something. We'll do some special one. Do something a bit different, I think. Be fun. Okay. Okay. So uh, everyone can follow me. I'm on Instagram. What is it? The real Lane Anderson. I'm on <laughs> Twitter, Lane underscore Anderson. And LinkedIn, just look me up, Lane Anderson. Where are you at? On Instagram, at Kelly Ray Tamaki TMH. And on LinkedIn and Facebook, Kelly Ray Tamaki TMH Business Coaching and Consulting. All right. Thanks again for watching and listening, everyone. Thank you. Talk to you later.